0: Welcome to the Courageous Entrepreneur Show. This is the show that shares information and inspiration to help you break free from self-doubt, limiting beliefs, and disempowering patterns so you can stand out when you hate standing out, sell your services even though you hate selling, and create the thriving, successful business you dream of and deserve. I'm your host, Winnie Anderson. The show features interviews with entrepreneurs who've overcome amazing challenges to create success on their terms and experts who share insight and practical information to help you move forward with courage, confidence, and clarity. The show is available in both video and audio formats on a variety of platforms. You can get the show notes, links to resources mentioned, including a worksheet to help you reflect on and apply the ideas shared when you go to my website at winnieanderson.com. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll share the show with others, and I hope you'll decide to become a fan at my website at winnieanderson.com slash fans. When you do, you'll get episodes delivered right to your inbox along with information, tips, and resources to help you, the introverted, mission-driven entrepreneur, consistently move forward to reach your biggest goals. You know, as I was editing this episode, a quote popped into my head from that famous philosopher Anonymous, and it's all who wander are not lost. The reason that popped into my head is that this week's guest, Randrick chance has been on quite a journey to arrive at the point where he is today his story is a great inspiration and he shares some excellent tips and strategies to help you recognize that while you might wander at times you're not really lost either randrick who goes by the name chance is a US citizen by way of the Caribbean. He is a Navy veteran who won many awards during his tenure in the service. And after a spiritual awakening, he decided to leave the Navy and transition to the nonprofit sector and a career in humanitarian relief. He traveled more than he did when he was in the Navy. Chance now divides his time among his duties as pastor to two churches and his work as an implementation strategist. He works with entrepreneurs to monetize their skills, including helping them publish their platform-building books. Listen in as Chance shares why he says success is predictable and how to make it happen for you, why failure is also predictable, and how you can avoid that as well. The number one thing that he says will completely sabotage your success, and he gives insight on the eight strategic actions that all entrepreneurs need to take. As always, listen all the way to the end where I'll share your cocktail exercise and action step for this episode. All right, Chance, so thanks for being with me today. I'm excited to have you here and and have you share this information.
1: Thanks for having me. It's a privilege.
0: Awesome. So let's just dive right in. Tell us a little bit about your journey. I'm always fascinated by what led anyone to decide to join the military because I had thought about joining the military as a young person myself. So tell me what led you to do it.
1: Okay, well for me it was a little bit of a combination of many things. Uh, I came to this uh, country, as most people know, I'm an immigrant, I came from a small Caribbean island called St. Vincent, very beautiful, you gotta check it out sometime. It is beautiful. But when I came here, uh, like most people, you know, education was my the biggest thing. So I was told that it's going to cost a lot of money to do the program I wanted to do. So that didn't really rest well with me paying back these massive debts. So uh, a navy recruiter contacted me, and all he had to say was, "Hey, military will pay for all your schooling," and that sold me. <laughs> so that's primarily that's primarily why I went into the the navy. Plus, of course. Uh, It's also the fastest way for one to become a U.S. citizen as well, so um, that helped me out tremendously. So in three years, I became a U.S. citizen. Uh, But that set me on my path to where I am. The military, to me, gave me the foundation, uh, the knowledge, the skills that I needed to to continue to pursue uh, different career endeavors. So I joined primarily for that reason, and up to today, praise God, I have zero student loans. So... It's a blessing.
0: Yes, it is a blessing. Of course, back when in the day when I went to school, Mm -hmm. the the size of the student loan was, you know, microscopic in comparison to what it is today. Of course, it felt big at the time, but it still Mm -hmm. was nowhere near the the possible debt that somebody could incur today. And I think that opportunity of learning. Right, there are so many great opportunities to learn through service, through both the skills that you learn on the, on that job, right, as well as this opportunity for continued study once you're outside of the service as well, through the GI Bill and, and those sort of benefits. It, it really is amazing when you it think is. about the opportunity that you're given. So that's fantastic. I'm so happy to hear that. I, I had actually considered joining the Navy too, so that's awesome. All right, go Navy. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So let's talk a little bit about when you left the Navy. Um, again, I'm always interested in hearing about people's journey and how they transitioned from the service. I used to be a recruiter in corporate life, and one of the areas that I focused on targeting were veterans because to me it was like shooting fish in a barrel you had all these people who had this fantastic leadership experience and leadership training why would you not pursue hiring vets if you possibly could but i know not everybody has a smooth transition so can you talk a little bit about that
1: uh well for me It's not that I didn't want to stay in the military, but I had what, you know, I refer to as this uh, spiritual reawakening, a spiritual transformation experience. And so at that junction in my life, you know, I I just felt like I needed to serve in a different capacity uh, on a more intrinsic kind of a a level. So I was doing very well. I got quick promotions and the whole nine yards uh, being in the military. So the military was good for me. And so yeah. even to this day, I say, had it not been for that, really, honestly, I, I would have stayed. I would have done all 20, you know, uh, years because, but what I, so that's the reason I wanted to, to get out to find something uh, more, dip, you know, more in line with the new person pretty much that I had become. Okay. And so the nonprofit world at that time seemed to be the best option. But here's the thing, it was not easy. You're right. Transitioning is not always easy for most veterans. Matter of fact, I do have a lot of friends who would like to transition, but they're so afraid because it's like, for one, the security, you have all your medical, dental, everything taken care of for you, navigating that on the outside. Even though they give you a class called TAP transition assistant program, to me, it's still not sufficient, you know. Uh, So so that's one of the challenges. I think they need to start probably recruiting uh, military veterans before they transition. I think that would probably help to make a much smoother transition. So I tried one or two jobs, and honestly, it did not work. Like I, I, I was missing the military camaraderie. I don't even count them as jobs, so I don't even list them. So okay. I did try, um, you know, several big-name uh, companies out there that hire veterans, and all I would do, I, I think I did two jobs when I got out, and I just went to the orientation, and I just I couldn't stay. Hopefully, <laughs> you know. This and so i like, this is not for me, you know what I mean? Because it was no, there was no sense of vision and purpose. People were there just to get a job, get a paycheck, and again, being fresh, brand new, you know, out of military, I was like, you know, old school, gung ho type of a person. So it yeah. it didn't resonate. Yeah. So I went to be, um, I went to take a, a training course out in California for a ministry, and then I got into nonprofit work. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think that what you share there is really powerful, that being in any organization that has a very clear vision, that has a culture of incredible teamwork, that we're really in this together, and every one of us supports the other person, has their back, if you will, to then... Leave that organization and be out on your own and you're still looking for that because there's such a tremendous attachment, I think, from the heart for that kind of environment, if you're the right person in the right organization. And it is so obvious when that kind of culture is missing that I can appreciate that you know I worked for I was really privileged to work for some great organizations not that they didn't have their own issues and and yeah, have dysfunction no, yeah, 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 yeah. every big, big organization does right but when I left there it was like they had ruined me for other places because you think that's right <laughs> this is how everybody does it right And it's not how everybody does it. It really is not. It's very hard to find other organizations that are built with that kind of culture. You're you're very right.
1: You are right. I did find one though. However, I did find one uh, in the nonprofit world. Uh, So I did that for seven years. Actually, I served in the military for seven years, seven months exactly. And then when I got out, uh, I found this nonprofit, and I, I did find that type of camaraderie there. They had Great. purpose. Uh, we would do a lot of humanitarian work right here in the U.S. I've traveled to now over 26 different countries. I actually did more traveling with that organization than with the, mil- than with the That's Navy. That's
0: incredible. Yeah. So now, was that organization, was it a, a local community-based nonprofit, or was it an arm of a big national or international nonprofit?
1: Actually, yeah, it's global. Actually it's okay. an international organization. Uh, the headquarters was in Huntsville, Alabama, where my wife went to university there on a okay. campus, which Oakwood University. So I became uh, the outreach coordinator there, the fundraising director and the project manager was wearing multiple hats. But the type of work that they were doing, remember I got out for a more intrinsic type of service? Right. So that's really what got me Like We would serve underserved populations, um, low-income communities, and then in the summertime, what we do is we would go overseas, primarily in Africa, you know, like Botswana, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Madagascar, Mozambique. Okay. Um, so we would go overseas, and we would do a lot of uh, humanitarian-type work uh, for about sometimes six to eight weeks and, and, and so that filled me up. I felt so fulfilled doing that. It never felt like work for seven straight years. It never felt like I was working at all.
0: That's fantastic. So now what led you to go out on your own as an entrepreneur? Was that something that had always been, you know, a little seed growing? Or did you find yourself have a new uh, awakening and feel called to serve the world in that way?
1: Well, uh, a combination of. In the military, I was into uh, supply and logistics, which is a lot of business stuff. So naturally, so my undergrad degree, I had a a major in business and a minor in management. And so that kind of was already there. But how I really got into being entrepreneurial was with the nonprofit, of course, the organization itself had the money to do what we needed to do. So I fell so in love with that. In 2012, when I transitioned again, we moved. my wife and I, we moved to Texas. We didn't have any uh, kids at all. And so we moved to Texas, and so I got into actual pastoring. And so right now I'm pastoring two churches still. But that love for that nonprofit was so deep in my heart, but then I didn't have the money to do that work. And so this is something that many people wrestle with, and that's why I'm a big proponent for entrepreneurship because I'm like, listen, even though you're providing services for people, they might be receiving it for free, but it does cost money. Somebody has to do that. So I had a guy who was in my uh, church, and he was from Kenya. And so I, you know, I was sharing with him my journeys to Africa. He's like, we need to go. I said, yeah, we need to go. Where am I getting the money?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to pay. That's exactly right.
1: So then, you know, my mind is like, hey, why don't you, you know, monetize your skills? You know, you used to teach people on the side, like how to write books and publish books and so forth. So that's what I would do. I would just start, you know, teaching people different things and, you know, working the internet, trying to learn a little bit of how to make money online. And that would give me money to be able to do some of this humanitarian work that I was passionate about. Okay.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I think that that is a really great point, Chance, because so many people that I know who have some big mission on their heart, who really want to make a giant impact in the world, wrestle with this issue around mm-hmm. money and tell themselves some story that money is bad. They, they misquote the Bible, that That's money true. is the root of all evil. And no, that is not the actual quote. It is the love of money is the root of all evil right so money is how the world works and it's how you we all do our work as well so do you have any any advice for people who have some kind of big calling a big impact that they want to make this i I think that the term now is social entrepreneur right how does somebody manage to balance this issue of it takes money to make the world go around including to to perform your service with this issue of, but I'm I'm bringing gifts to the world. I'm I want to make a social impact. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. I think two ways. One is uh, figuring out what's your big why. You know, what is your big why? What do you really, you know, even 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 identifying exactly what is this impact? Sometimes even that word gets thrown around. I want to make an impact. So, what does that look like? So you first got to identify what the impact you really want to make. And then if there's a financial um, number to it, because generally there might be the bigger the impact, definitely you're going to need resources. But when it, it, does not always have to be your resources. So for example, this is one of the things that I keep in my mind as well, because like last, uh, actually this year, early in January, we went to Ghana and that was six figures. There's no way that I don't know it's going to cover. I'm, I'm not the only one going to cover that. So I say this, if you want to make an impact and you have the vision for it, but you don't have the resources, you simply team up with somebody who has the resources. Because there are people with resources and they don't have the vision for making that type of impact. So it's like a marriage. And that's what most nonprofits are technically, isn't it? When you think of it, most nonprofits have a vision for social good, but they don't have resources. And so they depend upon people's financial contribution. Well, the people with the financial contribution don't generally have time to do that type of work, but they, they resonate with it, they sympathize with it, and it is something that they value, so they will give their resources. So yeah. that's one way that I think uh, people can be able to do it. But we have to make our, um, our I guess, our peace with money because, you're right, that's one of the biggest hang up Actually, it was my biggest hang-up as well until I read um, Daniel Lappin, and I have a book here called Rich God, Poor God, very, very, very powerful book. But those help to also liberate me from some of those constructs, as well, especially being in the spiritual space
0: yeah, I think that's that's a, those are all really great points, and i I think we all have some kind of money story it's Is it a productive story, or is it a a destructive story or something that holds us back? and I think that's something that does require us to stand and stare in the mirror and sure. figure that out. I think you, those are really great points about the issues with other people who have resources but who don't have or, or they're unable to do that work that you're called to do. So, yeah, there are plenty of ways that, that you can look at getting financing. Um, let's dive into um, this area of, uh, that you, you talk about in your book of strategic secrets. You talk about, in that book, 39 strategies, and when I read your book, I thought of it almost in comparison to uh, the success principles, that it's something that you can read over and over again, that you can pick one particular strategy to really focus on just like success principles you know it's something i turn back to time and again when i feel mm-hmm. like i need a tune up so let's let's look at i'm going to jump around a little bit right and pick out some of these ones that i think want to be amplified particularly so there's one that you call success is predictable and i know that Sometimes we equate predictable with fast. They're not the same thing, are they? <laughs> so can you talk about this concept that success is predictable? And, you know, uh, I'm wondering if there aren't some people doubting that right now.
1: Yeah, well, if we all will be honest with ourselves, because it takes to accept that as a truth, which again, you're right. We, we wrote the book so that it can be fast. It's not The chapters are not long, like two, maybe right. three pages maximum, so you can get the, the impact. But success is predictable because it really follows the law of cause and effect relationships. So if I want to go, and I grew a garden just for this purpose, I would tell anybody, especially if you want to get into entrepreneurship, start a garden because that is what teaches you about these success principles, in my opinion. Yeah. Every time I plant radish, I'm going to get radish, Right. Provided, of course, there are other things that can hamper um, your, your your yield. But generally speaking, if you don't plant anything, you're not going to get anything. Right? And if you don't plant when they said to plant, then you won't get anything. But if you abide by the laws of agriculture, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get a crop every single time. I have never planted and not gotten stuff. That time when I've lost the crop, that time when I go on vacation, I abandoned my stuff, and so therefore the weeds grow in. All of those are lessons. So success is predictable because all you have to do is observe all the people who are successful and notice the commonality among them all. Mm -hmm. If you and I really would do those things in time, because you're right, everybody's different, everybody implements differently, everybody takes action differently. But if we consistently follow things that are proven to give outcomes, we will get the results at some point. And so that's why success is predictable. So we don't have to, to, to me, that eliminates competition, really. I don't really have to compete with you, nor do you have to compete with me. Because we both follow success principles for our own outcome in what we want to pursue a success. I'm not necessarily pursuing the same thing as you are. We might be similar, but you have a bent. I have a certain bent. And so therefore, we, have, we don't need to compete with one another.
0: Yep. That's, that's really great. I love that analogy of gardening. Uh, I'm a gardener myself, and certainly you see that, right? You see that. I think I, I had a, a little post uh, a few weeks ago mm-hmm. that the rose bush does not sit there and look at the tulips and go, I, I, I'm just not as good as these tulips. I'm just I'm not as good. I should have been, yeah. been a tulip, right, exactly, yeah. but we do that to ourselves, too, don't we, and that's then, right. then we, we plant things that have no, that's why there are these hardiness zones, right, that tell you that the likelihood of this growing in this spot is pretty good, maybe maybe this plant, you might be, you know, it might yeah. not be too too uh, likely to, to, to uh, work out for you, not saying it won't, but you know, other other models have not worked out here. So yeah, I think that that really is a great piece of advice. I think it's a great piece of advice in general to start a garden, because it teaches you so much about nurturing and peace. Exactly. exactly, and, and not, to,
1: not to leave the point real quick really, so I want to belabor just one little bit more. Also, for example, you have the radish and beets, they grow very fast. So that can mean for that particular crop, the success principle is simple but then when you're growing carrots and winter squash which i'm growing right now they take a longer time Mm -hmm. and so that's why we shouldn't compare ourselves because you might be trying to attain something it takes you a couple months to a couple years you know maybe a year or two but because my vision might be um you know maybe a larger thing or whatever it's going to take me longer but i'm looking and that's what we got to be careful with social media because we see our friends getting the big house and doing all these different things and people measure up themselves with that. everybody's graduated I should be have this degree too because they have theirs. and I'm like listen they're on a different journey and their vision long term is different than yours so you cannot compare yourself with them you two are successful where you are for your vision
0: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a really great point I work with a lot of people who happen to be parents mmm right and they so their children are at various points in the growth phase as well and you know some some kids are out of the house and they've got their own successful careers which is just a different phase of parenting but some kids require more hands-on support right they're still living in your house they can't drive yet they still have all these needs that need to be met and so many parents i see who are entrepreneurs beat themselves up because i should be doing this it's like we resent our kids and our family for 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 the involvement that they require but that's why we're doing our work is so we have that time so I think that that's also an issue as well recognizing that we're trying to do often multiple full-time jobs Right, we're parents. We're 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 married, right? You and I are both married, so being a spouse is a full-time job. Uh, then we're entrepreneurs. That's a full-time job. Uh, making sure your priorities are being managed at the same time, and recognizing what you know. Sometimes it's the family that is number one in importance, and sometimes the business is going to require that attention at that time exactly. too.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You want yeah. it. You want it.
0: So let's talk about Chapter 7 in your book, which is Failure is Also Predictable, which you know, uh-huh. that's scary enough. And, and I was just uh, exchanging messages with, with someone in my coaching group today around this fear of success, fear of failure, and, and all this. So that fear, failure is predictable, can also hold people back. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Right, and so in order to identify success and failure, we must have a definition for both of them, right? Because we can define failure one way, but it also can be a blessing as well. So, But let's just go with the general uh, flow. So if success is predictable, meaning that success is just a realization of certain success principles applied consistently over a period of time. Therefore, if I do X, Y, and Z, and so forth, then I should be able to get a certain outcome. So the reverse can also be true. If I know that there are certain principles for success and I don't do them, I'm not gonna get the success. If I don't water my garden, I can plant the seed, but if I don't water it, if I don't tend to it, guess what's gonna happen? Because I'm not following the laws of successful gardening, for example. So yeah, like relationships, you know, if you have a relationship, it might be great. It might be the best person in the world, right? But if you don't tend to that relationship, inevitably, it's going to go sour. So everything in life demands that you work with the principles to keep that thing going or to make it a success. So that's really what it's all about. So to me, um, again, fail is predictable because if one refuses to implement or to do the things that are required to have successful outcomes, then success will evade them. But I must give a caveat. And that is this, if an individual, man or woman, boy or girl, whomever, is on their journey to success and they have a failure, I don't count that as failure. Delays, setbacks and that failure, they can be the actual Mm -hmm. stepping stone into the thing that you want to, to get. So what I'm trying to say is the difference really is the person just refuses to do what is required. I want a six pack abs. I don't want to exercise. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I want like this person on the planet, but I want to eat anyhow. That is not going to give you success. That's what we don't mm-hmm. want. So that's going to be a recipe for failure every time. However, when a person is trying to figure it out, trying to get it right, that person is not experiencing failure. That person of, you know, like Edison and others, you know, is, they're just discovering what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is that you keep going. And here's a beautiful thing. Even in that case, Failure might be a blessing because sometimes if you succeed in the wrong thing, nature has this way of trying to get you in the right direction. So because some people can confuse their calling. If you are successful in an area that is not for you, guess what? You might be doing that thing and miss your entire calling because you were successful in it. So sometimes you have to get some failures, delays, and setbacks to put you on the right course.
0: Yeah, that, I think that's great. I, you know, when the example I like to use is – none of us stopped learning how to walk because we fell
1: on our butts, right? We just
0: kept pulling ourselves up and taking another step and moving forward. But somehow through the growth process, we start to believe that we should be perfect somehow and that everything should be lightning fast. And I think part of it is this issue that you raised about comparison Comparisons and, mm-hmm. and how we compare ourselves to others and say, I should have the same thing or I should be moving as fast as they are. Of course, we're not watching them fall. Right. We're only seeing, especially on social media. You're, you're, you're not seeing the bloopers. Somebody, somebody used that analogy. You're not seeing the blooper reel. You're seeing their highlight reel. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. and attaching like some that. story to that as well, right? That, oh, those people have it so easy. And and it's back, it's really feeds off of that story that we then tell ourselves, which is some made up manufactured kind of thought process entirely and because we're not saying that bumps and bruises the along the way you know one of the one of the examples I was just talking about this person last week one of my favorite examples of failure not actually being failure is I have a couple actually but one of my favorites is William hung William mm-hmm. hung the legendary American idol reject Right,
1: come
0: who, on now. Who then goes on? You know, he was humiliated, right, on on national TV, and became this media sensation because of a failure, and got a recording contract, got yeah, uh, go. uh, appeared in a movie, was on television, had all of these great opportunities that never would have come his way had he not failed. that and failed in a big way right yeah so yeah I think we tell ourselves these stories I should be so lucky that I fail on national TV and get all those opportunities
1: there you go yeah it's
0: about telling yourself a story that I think is connected with that failure
1: yeah but be concerned when you are not taking the action the action so you can fail so in other words you know you whether it's inertia or whatever the case may be but the reality, what we're trying to say, why failure is predictable because how can one achieve success when one is not doing what produces uh, successful outcomes? Even trials is a form of, you know, you, you try different things in order to get certain things. So that itself, that's, that's why I don't label that as failure. Like, we need a different word for that. course, they they're trying their best, doing their part. Like, they are working towards being successful. So how should we call it failure? To yeah. me, failure is like, I'm not doing what is required. Like I said, I just want to stay here, watch TV, eat potatoes and chips, and get the six-pack abs. That to me is failure, right? That's how I see that. But I don't see anybody who's trying their best, putting it out, you know, doing what is required, but it's being delayed or life is teaching them along the way. That to me is not failure at
0: all. Yeah, I agree with you. And so if chapter, the title of chapter seven wasn't scary, chapter eight is even scarier. And that one is the number one thing that will completely sabotage your success. So let's, let's talk a little bit about this because I know I've done things that have, you know, be honest, I've done things that have hurt my success that have held me back. I've, I've self-sabotaged before. So let's talk about this issue of self-sabotage. It, it does sound ridiculous, to be honest with you, <laughs> but it's a reality. that it's we It's a reality. In this, right? So let's talk about what is it and how can we get ourselves out of it.
1: Well, you notice how they kind of flow together, right? Success yeah. is predictable, fail is predictable, and here are some things of how we self-sabotage. So they're all just trying to help you to take some kind of movement. So here's the thing. We, we kind of have, you know, alluded to it earlier, right? So first we must admit, you, like you say, so we give some examples, self-sabotage. I want to get A's in school, for example, for students, right? And you're not studying. You're sabotaging the A's that you're trying to get because that's the outcome. That's the success you seek, right? So uh, Or you want to, to save money for the down payment of a house, but every paycheck you get, you spend everything and then some. That is uh, sabotage, right? Again, relationships, we take it. How many people have had a wonderful man or woman in their life, but then they end up doing something foolish, maybe cheating on that partner or, or, or just some other ridiculous thing that they did and the person left them, not because it was you. They wanted you. They wished they could, but you, you sabotaged the relationship. And so those are the kind of stuff that we're talking about. So success has sabotage. I don't want to sabotage my success. If I know, if you're into sales and you don't go out and make calls or go out and, and sell things, that is success sabotage. So, but here is the number one, because those are examples, right? The number one thing, with really, it that will absolutely sabotage anybody's success is this, making excuses. Making excuses. Dr. Washington Carver says 99% of all failures is because of excuses. And that is so true because when you make excuse, it it, it, it it steals you of your own power. Making excuses rob you of the responsibility for your own success. Making excuses puts the blame on others because if you're not blaming yourself, technically you're blaming someone else or something else. And so excuses causes you to even be delusional, meaning that because you're not dealing with reality. I'm doing everything to tear down my own house, and yet I'm not taking responsibility. It's this reason, it's that reason, and this and that. So making excuses, I believe, to me truly, is the number one reason for sabotaging success, and we must avoid it at all costs.
0: Yeah, I think that is another great point, Chance, and, you know, it's so tied up with uh, the story that we're telling ourselves. True. the fear of taking action and we then come up with yes some excuse or reason why something's not happening but you know i have people who tell me well i don't have time to do that or i have well who's in charge of your calendar there you go <laughs> you are right and and people will often say well but i have responsibilities okay well they're called priorities and then you gotta manage that, right? Yeah, you know. So who does that
1: have responsibility. We
0: it, all do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And again, yeah. who who's in charge of you, right? So we we have to, I think that that's another problem that nice people, right? Often spiritual people who consider themselves spiritually motivated or social entrepreneurs often think of themselves as, well, I'm a nice person, so I'm just gonna say yes to every opportunity or to, or to every person who asks for my help and mm. that's a big recipe for then not getting anything done isn't it that's right
1: yeah that it's so true i've i've had some of those rabbit trails <laughs> I, I, we
0: all have right we all yep. have and and that's, that's so part cute. of this issue of wrestling with am i going to really be on purpose and on mission or am i just going to let people distract me and go off on these side roads so let's talk about the courageous actions that we entrepreneurs need to take and you know we've been alluding to so many of them now but let's get a little bit more specific so there are eight of them Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: we're going to run through each one of them and I'd like to get your input on on these if I can so first up of course is marketing because you don't have a business if you're not going to market it and, and, and do something to attract clients, right? So we all want to get our message out in a very powerful way so we reach more people. There are so many ways to do that, right? What do you think is really the best strategy for mm-hmm. someone to get their message out in a powerful way?
1: Yeah. And I like the way you have them listed. Can you just list them out first and then we get back to the the marketing because I want to give an illustration. Yes, Ah.
0: absolutely. So there's marketing, selling, fulfilling, creating, managing, growing, leading, and last but by no means least is living because that's really why we're doing this. Right. So, and if we, we put all of our effort in the business end and we're not living, right what are we doing here so so i think that that it the first strategy you know the first courageous action really is getting your message out there to begin with so what do you think is a great way to do that
1: I, I, i'm in agreement with you because the, the reason i want to put the list is because i see it like a triangle right yeah so on the bottom the bottom two edges here will be marketing and selling that's how you have them there and then the last one at the apex is the final one living. Everything else strands, you know around those right. so because marketing and selling has to support everything else and I think as creatives especially uh, courageous yeah. entrepreneurs uh, uh, Introverted entrepreneurs rather we love the creation side. We will create all day long, but nobody knows about our stuff right, right. So marketing the best way uh, again I think part of it is the story too. So I think let's start there. The best way to start marketing is is here where you actually believe in your product and you say, listen, I have something to share. And so there's no shame in promoting my stuff. I think sometimes we feel, I know as an introverted entrepreneur myself, sometimes you feel like, you know, oh man, you know, you might come across this way or, you know, I'm promoting too much or whatever. But the reality is if you believe in your thing, your product, your service, your program, whatever it is, if you believe that it's going to help you, then you must let people know about it. You must let people know about it. So the first thing is you, the person, the individual, you have to be the one promoting primarily in the sense of, you know, sharing it as often as you can, bring it up in conversations, wherever you go, like even here. So, you know, I'm trying to also get a message out here, right? Right. Even though it, it might not be related here, but that's one of the ways because I, I want people to know that we are all in some way shape leaving money on the table. So advertising is the key because that's what you say. People must know about your stuff so you can get to the next step, which is selling. So think of that as the number one, to me, like you said, I think it's one of the pillars in all yeah. of selling. You must be able to market to attract them so you can do the selling. next.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So and then that does feed right into selling, you know, Peter Drucker, the the famous management consultant long ago said that marketing should make sales superfluous, meaning that you're you're doing such a great job of getting your message out that you're bringing those people who are ready. Right. Mm -hmm. But we get so twisted up around this whole idea of sales and selling. So we tell ourselves so many stories that are connected with this, and you alluded to that, right? That, oh, people will judge me, or they'll, they'll think I'm a bad person, but we can, and that can then lead us to not getting clients, to not making the impact that we wanna make. Why do you think service professionals struggle with this, and what's your best tip for getting past it and, and dealing yeah. with sales?
1: Because again, it goes back to, again, as you said, the message, some of the belief systems we have. But if we be honest again, technically, we are lying to ourselves that we don't like selling. Because when I write this book, Strategic Secret, am I not selling the reader on the concepts and ideas in this? Yes. So it's easy for us to say it in our creation, but because it's like, oh, it's just coming out of me. But when it comes to now, hey, telling the other person, you need this thing, we feel like we are doing an injustice. So, I think part of it is the conditioning and also learning the basic mechanics because you are selling it also like everything else, there's a science behind it. So there are success principles to sell it. So if one would learn the basics of selling, you know, uh, sharing, finding out what people need and giving it to them, So my approach, here's one of the okay number one thing, I would say this, I have adopted the way of selling in this fashion. results based. So to me, especially in service, I find that to have been now uh, a winning thing. If I can get you results, because even this month before uh, we got on, I was on um, another call, and uh, the gentleman was asking me at the end about that too because he's like, you know, we, 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 both him and I were supposed to talk with this client, and he's like, you know, how are we going to be able to, you know, pitch them the price? And I said, listen, is, if they want the results, they pay for it. If they don't want the results, they don't pay for it. And if we don't get a result, we don't get paid. So we have skin in the game. So everybody's different. I'm just saying you asked for a tip. So that's one of the tips I have found that is working for me right now, especially in service. I believe that if I render results to you, you're trying to lose weight. If I can help you lose weight, then pay me for it. And not only that, but if I get you extraordinary results, and guess what? I'm going to ask for an extraordinary paycheck. Make sense? Yeah. So me, that's working. And, and it has yeah. reduced, we really, need. This kind of push kind of, you know, thing on people is really, to me, it has become simple. So, you know, one of the things I do primarily is I help people take their concept ideas and create products and then market them. So whether it's a book, a course, or a coaching program or something like that. So I help creatives to be able to pull those kind of things out of their head and create something of value for others and then market it. So I can get them those results consistently. And so, therefore, I don't really get any pushback on price. Whatever I ask generally is what I get because they know for certain that they're going to get the results when it comes to product creation. Now, on the marketing side, because like you said, most creators don't like to market or they don't see marketing as a function. So, that's sometimes I have them, hey, find somebody else to do because if you don't want to put in the money to get the marketing part together, then I'll teach you marketing, but I'm not going to do that part for you. So, there you go.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really outstanding. So I think that what this really alludes to, it, part of it is what we tell ourselves and those, those situations in the past when we have felt pressured, we believe we're going to be pressuring other people or they're going to be seeing us as pressuring them. And for me, it means how important it is to talk to people in a way that, one, first of all, it's who you're talking to, right? Making sure that you're clearly talking to people who want a specific outcome and who have a specific problem because if I'm selling beef, I'm not gonna advertise in a vegan magazine.
1: There you go. (laughs)
0: I'm wasting my time, Natalie. There's just no way that they're ever gonna be interested in that. So I think it takes understanding the problem that you solve true true and then talking in language that s- helps that person who has the problem understand that you have the solution and yeah you either want it or you don't
1: there you go and then okay. so there's, there's no fight again so that's what i'm like is no competition also in that aspect because i'm like listen uh, and one of the thing too also in the fact that we felt pressure one of the thing too is we've also might have felt let down that we've tried this thing before and that's why some people are holding on to their pockets because they've been burned several times. Right. So while I know in marketing, you can't really guarantee certain things, but at the same time, that's why you're right. Sir, listen, if I can get you to lose weight as, you know I've taking that as an example, everybody's it to help. Right. If I can help you to do that, I know I've done it, and I've helped a lot of people do it. So now I can speak with confidence. Of course, you have to do the work too, you know, the individual,? Right. But what you say is, I know my system. Will get you that result if you will work the system. So now I can speak with more confidence and authority. And so that's what I have found. Truly, honestly, it really has been a game changer. Because of course, you know, we've tried all these other things before. And like you said, uh, I think I listened to one of your show too. When it comes to introverted entrepreneurs, they're not willing to do certain things because some some selling is, right. you know, is serious guerrilla warfare. You know, guerrilla right. right. kind of right. marketing. And so we are all not, you know, comfortable with some of those. And so, but I just have found that, especially with service-based stuff, that's my approach.
0: Here's what I can
1: do. I know I can get you the results, and here are the examples. You want it it, or you don't want it. It's cool with me.
0: Right, and so I think that also speaks to acknowledging what you are not willing to do. And you know what? If you say, I'm not willing to speak, okay, well then don't speak. But you know, this is really a form of speaking, right? So somebody who's uncomfortable being up on a stage or speaking at an event like a, a dinner or something like that, they can do this kind of speaking and be great. So it really does come down to to pushing yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit but also finding a way that feels good to you to mm-hmm. get that message out. And yeah, it's a delicate balance, but exactly as you've, you've alluded to so many times, Chance, if you do nothing, well, I've got news for you. People aren't going to come to your door and say, hey, I heard there's a smarty in here. Right. You've got to somehow demonstrate that you are excellent at what you do because so many of us have been burnt. We're... We need some kind of, I call them proof elements. We need certain proof elements that show me that you can do the things that you say that you're yeah. able to do.
1: And it, and that's motivation to me, because again, it goes back to your big why. If you want to keep producing, if you want to keep doing your creative thing, you have to be able to finance it again. Because as you're saying, for example, even books, if somebody want to write books or whatnot, the book is going to cost you some money. So if you want to keep writing books, you better be able to create money because you gotta pay for graphic design, pay for editing, pay for all of these things. So that's why it's a nice cycle. So in other words, I tell myself, if I want to keep doing this thing, I need to keep getting customers. You look at a doctor, right, a physician. If they don't have clients, guess what they cannot do? Practice. So even though they love their practice, I love being this, whatever profession you may call it, if you don't have a stream of customers and clients, you're not gonna be doing that for long. Yeah. So that's another motivation to me in saying, listen, I need, I owe it to my business, I owe it to myself to really market properly and also learn to sell property or as you get into that later on, hire other people to do it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because that leads to the third item on the list and that is fulfilling which that is what we love to do, right? We love to do it, whatever that it is, whether you are a professional speaker or you are a doctor or you are a coach or consultant, it's that thing that we do that we love to do and can spend all day doing. Mm-hmm. But it can be, you know, we can get tied up in just doing that. And then so we create these feast or famine cycles, right? So right, right. how do you manage to juggle service delivery, fulfilling, with all the other things that are necessary in a business.
1: And then you go back to prioritization, right? So you got to prioritize what contributes, Depend on how you look at it, because everybody's business is different, right? right? So let's just say you are heavy on the income side. So whatever contributes to your bottom line, like the thing that feeds the bottom line the most, that 80-20 principle, right? We want to put the most effort and time and energies right. into what actually creates and sustains the business, right? So if, if, if fulfillment is that, hey, because you have to also look at retention with, with your customers and clients. So you might have to up-level on your fulfillment. So you might definitely want to put a lot in that. But once you get it going, now you don't have to put as much effort into that because I found, too, scaling up. Like at this point, I can still handle clients, you know, many ways, you know, for myself. Uh, and I like the one-on-one. So there are other aspects like design and those type of things. I let other people do that. But I like the interaction with the person and coaching them and meeting with them in person because I feel like I can help inspire them to stay with it, to stay with it and to take action. Yeah. But guess what's going to happen with it? As, as I'm doing a part of the call I was on today is because I cannot scale up big time and do that. So going into the new year, that has to change now. But that's what I'm saying. It just depends on your model. So do the best you can. But if you whatever you do when it comes to outsourcing anything, make sure it's quality. And it doesn't have to be exactly how you'd be doing it, but make sure that if people associate with you, like one of the things people associate with me is outcomes. So every component of my stuff has to create outcome. So if it's going to be fulfillment, it's best be done. Like they can say, if you're going to get your product in this shape is gonna be there in that shape or in this speed or whatever uh, the case may be. So always please the customer, but you gotta figure out what contributes to the bottom line or to the mission, depending on, you know, some nonprofits, they're not so heavy on the bottom line. So their their approach is about, if you run a charity too, you know, their approach is, again, that deliverability, they are the ones that can do that well and their volunteers are
0: the ones that do that well. Right, right. well said. Uh, Okay, so next, as you've you've talked about this a little bit already, and that's creating. it's something that we love to do oh, so much man. and and gurus talk about the need to create products and books and courses and other things to to sell, right? to leverage our time. How do you budget time to create along with the time for managing and, and doing all these other things the selling and the marketing how do you manage to to fit all that in
1: right and not to be the dead horse again but yes prioritization is one of the, the, the crucial right. thing right. and one of it too is just knowing your 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 genius you know your thing for me i love the creation part actually more than all aspects of it because the ideas just come and they keep coming and you wish you could implement them all so for me is Know when you are in the zone. When I say in the zone, I mean that time when you are most inspired. Do the most. Uh, I think in the military, they used to say strike while hot. So while the idea is hot, while the vision is there, like sometime I will wake up in the morning, something will be there, and I just get up and I start writing or I start doing whatever to try to bring that thing to life. So I would say find your peak zones. And it's different for everybody because I know I believe in waking up early as well, but some people... It might be later on in the evening, you know, and you might have to challenge that. I get great ideas, honestly, when I'm in the shower. So sometimes mm-hmm. I take long, long showers. I'm not doing anything in there but just thinking, <laughs> you know, because that's when the ideas come. So I'm mulling it over in my mind like, hmm, why if we did it this way? You know. So it's just finding your, your, your peak zone. Another thing, though, I would say really is that I think we need to know our bodies because health is a very important aspect of creation. And the more healthy you are, I think, generally, now, don't get me wrong, everybody, you know, I'm not trying to say we all got to be like, you know what I mean, slim and whatnot. But I'm just saying the general principle is the more healthier you are is the quicker you can think, the quicker you can create. And it helps you to make better decisions also. So that way you're not doing everything or creating at the wrong time. So stuff like that. So that's what helps me try to stay in a a peak shape as best as I can and create it only when I'm like super, super inspired. And when I have uh, the, the fire behind me, that's when I try to do most of the creation.
0: That's great. That's great. So let's look at managing. Now, there are so many facets to managing a business, right, as it grows. Is there an area of business that you wish you had focused more on as you were building your business in terms of managing the overall business itself?
1: Yeah, and you have you have some things that strand together here when it comes to managing, leading, and so forth, so, you know, those, those might overlap. But, yeah, um, I think onboarding and, again, marketing, um, I think. You know, because I didn't put as much priority in that in the beginning because, again, we okay. and create. But I got the root awakening where I had all this creation, primarily books and so forth, and I'm like, hold on. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> so <laughs> so, so it, it, it reshaped the things. But what helped me was the fact that I'm like, okay, how am I able to develop these products so fast? Because I have a master's degree in project management. I get other people to do those aspects of bringing it to life. I just kind of get the, the shell, the vision and so forth in there, but other people bring the stuff to life. So the same thing. When it was, when I, you know, because I really didn't want to put the emphasis on marketing really and truly because it's not my big thing. But now it is, because it's like those things support all the others. So I, I I started out by saying, okay, who can I find to do the marketing? And that way you manage it just like you manage product development. And so I wish I had done that aspect um, earlier is managing marketing.
0: Yeah, that's a really great tip and, and allows you to stay in that genius zone at the same time. So yeah, I think that's really awesome. So as the business grows, we need to grow as people and as professionals what's one area that you would like to grow in yourself
1: personally and it ties to this leadership aspect um because i've been in the military and i have led uh, you know mission enterprises overseas and branches of non-profits overseas and even you know two churches right now mm-hmm. so the thing is people assume that i'm strongest in leadership but because of my nature i i get out when i need to but the reality it drives me crazy having to deal with a whole lot of people and so even that's why i coach the way i coach so that way i do the high price model so i can deal with less people you know so the the thing is i want to grow more in that because i'm more of a manager than i am a natural leader i can lead when it's necessary but i don't really like it because i don't like dealing with obnoxious people and people who drive me crazy, so that's one of the things, and then, because I can go into a, you know, discouraged, depressed state, just dealing with people and all their problems, and another thing is because I am, I'm intrinsically motivated, when I hear too many people's problems, and I can't do anything about it, it gets me down, it gets me down, so I would rather manage than than lead, but I know it's, it's crucial if you want to be leading your business, you have to, be able to be strong in that so that's one area i want to grow more as a, as a leader
0: okay great yeah those are, and those are really great points as well so let's talk let's narrow this focus of leadership a little bit because i think that part of what we wrestle with is leading our customers our clients right and leading our organization But then there's also this concept of thought leadership, if you will, and being an authority in your particular field and and area. So what do you think, um, what do you wish, actually, that you had done more of or could do more of to position yourself as a leader to, you know, in your whole industry segment, if you will?
1: Well, one, I think, is not being ashamed of who you are and your gifts and talents. I think sometimes we don't play who we are uh, so that we don't appear again as that leader. Yeah. Uh, but there are many things, for example, I mean, it's not just today I started writing books. I was writing books when as soon as I got out of the military and, uh, but you know, I would keep them to myself. I, I would, you know, I never kind of put them out there because for one it's like, Oh, it's just for my friends and family because, but really truly, I didn't want to be put in the spotlight, <laughs> you know? So even, even at times I still struggle with it because you know there's sometimes my congregation they don't really know of some of the other books that are published besides you know spiritual themes kind of books and, and so I think in that regards I have some growth still to do so there we go we all we all growing and so forth but if you want to be a thought leader you have to own your genius don't make apologies for who you are and put it out there. Put your stuff out there, put your ideas out there, but don't try to be, a th- well, let me not say don't try to be in this way because everybody's different. For me, I don't want to be the guru of gurus. Like it doesn't, it doesn't attract me.
0: Yeah. I want to
1: influence and impact people, but it, I don't really have to be personally in the limelight. I really don't. But I do want to make an impact with people that I'm definitely helping. Like, we've done a whole lot of work in Africa and all this stuff, and nobody know about it, but I know, and so I feel good about that, and so I don't have to be like, oh, he is the, the number one humanitarian worker in the world, so if you need advice on humanitarian enterprise, go to him. That doesn't really excite me.
0: Yeah. I think that is an incredibly powerful point to make, that we don't all have to be Brendan Burchard right? Right. Or Tony Robbins or whoever is the guru of the moment that we can be the leader to those people who we really are inspiring because you made a great point chance and that's the guru to the gurus. Uh, You're not interested in teaching people at that level. You're interested in really impacting the people in the trenches, if you will, really? and making a difference there. So there are plenty of people who are the guru to the gurus, and they can all go over there, but you're going to help these people who are really making the difference right there at ground level, I think yeah. they would probably yeah. say in the military. Yeah.
1: again, no competition so there you go, I don't have, the the guy who wants to aspire to that, now you don't have to worry about me because (laughs) I'm not trying to aspire to that, you see what I'm saying so like I said, competition is there but to me it's the way we describe it to me there's really no competition with it, because here's why we both don't have necessarily the same outcomes that we are looking for and to me, it's easy to be in the success realm and even at the top. Why? Because as we mentioned here in the book throughout, most people don't take action. And the reality is, so that's why it's really a small group at the top who is achieving super. I have found that most people simply do not take action. So it is easy to be in a class all by yourself. Most people would not do what is required. That's, I mean, it does it sound negative, but it's reality. And that's why I changed my stuff. I used to say I'm a lifestyle coach. Now I say, I'm an implementation strategist because you're coaching all these people and they're not doing anything with the information and the knowledge. So I'm like, listen, I am going to help you now to implement. Like you're going to get results. That's why I shift again also. Results, outcome, that's what we're about. If you don't want outcomes, don't waste my time because I know my thing work. And so I'm not trying to just give you information. You might lose some customers and money that way, but that's what I'm saying. I want to work with people who want results.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that that is again it's very powerful. It can be hurtful to admit. It can be, yes. When but there are plenty of studies out there though that support what you say. It's not like you're just making this up. The majority of people, over 90% this of right. people who buy books don't read them, who take who pay for courses mm-hmm. don't take them. Don't finish them. Don't apply them. And as a person who is is a, a, you know, I'm a certified teacher. I'm I'm a former corporate trainer and Mm -hmm. training manager and director. And one of the things that used to frustrate me so much was, you know, I worked for companies that really believed in training and spent millions and millions of dollars training people around the world and sending me all over the country to to train those people but they needed support in actually exactly what you're saying implementing, implementing. the people yeah. who are really ready to implement often they'll just do it right because it's it's inside them and they're ready but most people require more support to actually implement and i'm i'm so glad that you're calling yourself an implementation strategist Because that's a big part of my commitment, too. I'm not interested in just talking to hear myself talk. I'm interested in actually seeing you make a difference in not just your life, in the life of the people that you're trying to touch. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. But I think that it requires admitting that, you know what, I I need help getting stuff done. I need help implementing this stuff. There's no shame in that you're in the majority. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. I could go off on that for hours, but (laughs) we won't. So, okay. So last, but by no means least is living, right? It's why we are doing this anyway. So what's one of your best practices for making sure that you're building a life as well as building a business? Uh, well,
1: again, being a person of faith, uh, one of the things I believe in is is legacy. Uh, the Book of Proverbs says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children and grandchildren. So that is 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 a big part behind the overall why. But my why is to bless other people. But I I, I think about what am I going to leave for my my children, and so. That helps me to also, again, because you can be off balance too, because you're you trying to do so much for them, and later on, they're going to inherit this, but what about right now? They need the love, and be like, yeah, he left me all this stuff, but he didn't give me the love, when he wasn't like. Right. Right. So, I love entrepreneurship, again, for the fact that it, it, it helps me to see my family every day, except when I'm traveling. And I'm not talking about, you see them in the morning when you wake up, and in the evening when you come home, no. Uh, this is my home office. Right. Most of my videos, every time you see me on Facebook, generally you might see me, um, you know, here. So that is the thing that keeps me tethered. My wife, my son, hopefully all children, right? But uh, for now, my son. And so they are the big reasons for me of wanting to make a difference. So I just thank God for the opportunity that people allow me to help them to get results in their life, bring their product and creations to life. And um, and they remunerate me for it, so I can you know bless my family, and I can go and help people in different countries, and even here who are on the And so I'm grateful for that. And so that's what I think keeps me better.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know what I hear in that chance is again, it's priorities, focus, and and making the right choices. Then that by keeping that focus. Mm. that you want to have more of a balance that then influences how you manage those priorities and by staying consciously focused on that. And, you know, I, I talk about it, making sure that you're in alignment with your faith, beliefs, and values, because yeah, whatever are your is your essence should really be used to guide all the decisions that you make rather than just kind of, you know, floating around and and drifting from spot to spot. But when you have those things that act as your true north, then that guides your decisions so that you're more consciously making those choices. So I really admire that about you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Well, so... This has been a great conversation. I could go on for hours. Yes, but I, people, I like people you will know. Thank you. People will be happy to hear that we're not going to go on for hours. So why don't you take a minute or two and, and talk specifically about what you do, Chance. You've alluded to the fact that you help people get their, their products made, their books created. So can you share... Uh, What what exactly it is you do who you work with and and where people can go to learn more about you?
1: Okay, wonderful Thank you. Um, So yeah, I pretty much help uh, entrepreneurs professionals small business owners to be able to leverage their education expertise and experiences I call that monetizing your skills, which is this what this is all about in other words that if you can be able to create extra income based on your skill sets your knowledge and experiences then you can be able to do greater good, sustain your business, your ministry for those who are faith-based, and causes, support causes you like, whether it's a nonprofit, or charities, or your church, or whatever it may be. So that's the big why. So we help you to bring these products to life. And now we are able to even add now the marketing component, because again, that's where some people are feeling down. So, but if it definitely it is product creation, whether it's physical or digital product, we'll be able to help you. Uh, Bring that to life. So you can go to strategicsecrets.com, strategicsecrets.com. That's my main website. And you can get all the information there.
0: Outstanding. And of course, we'll have links right there in the show notes for you, as well as all the places that you can connect with Chance online, social media. He's got a big Facebook presence as well. So again, Chance, thanks so much for spending time with me. I really appreciate you sharing all this great information. Thank you. Blessings to you. All right. I hope you found that helpful. It's no wonder that Chance is a pastor. I think listening to him is inspiring and certainly motivating. If you like this episode please share it with your connections. Please leave a great review for it on the platform where you consumed it and be sure to subscribe either on that specific platform like iTunes, iHeartRadio, the Google Play Store or you can subscribe to the video version on my YouTube channel. But when you subscribe on my website at winnieanderson.com slash fans, you'll get episodes emailed right to you each week, along with the corresponding worksheet for that episode. In addition to the episodes, you'll get information, tips, and resources to help you come out of hiding, get your message out in a more powerful way, and achieve your business goals so you can profit from your expertise. All right, your cocktail exercise, otherwise known as a reflection exercise. No, alcohol needs to be involved. Don't drink and drive. Don't overindulge. All right, so that reflection exercise, it's really to think about the actions that you take to move towards the goals you want and to fulfill your intentions. Think about something in your life that you've been driven to achieve or to master. Maybe you have a hobby that brings you joy, so you invest a lot of time in it. What about the elements of work of reaching your goals and creating the impact and income you dream of? Are you taking the consistent actions that you need? Remember, Jack Canfield says the number one success principle is accepting full responsibility for your thoughts, beliefs, and actions. Chance isn't the only person who says success is predictable. So does Wallace Wattles who wrote The Science of Getting Rich and Napoleon Hill who wrote Think and Grow Rich and outwitting the devil. The issue is to maintain focus and forward movement. All right, so your action step, or steps as of course the case may be, I want you to examine your schedule and really tune into what you're doing and the actions you're taking. Are you achieving what you want? If not, then analyze what you're doing and why aren't you achieving the success you want? Are you taking consistent action? or maybe you're just avoiding things. And if you're not taking action at all, you're not taking consistent action on the tactics necessary to move your business forward, what are you going to do to change things? Remember, you wanna take responsibility for every thought you think, every action you take, every result you create. Consistent action means there's a pattern to what you're doing, that you do something more than once. Look at your calendar and ask yourself if you're truly taking consistent action on those things that will get you the success and the successful outcomes that you want. As Chance said, without consistent action, you wind up with failure. Be sure to visit winnieanderson.com slash successstrategies to get the show notes, links, and resources for this episode, including the worksheet to help you complete the reflection exercise and action step. Remember, if you're an introverted solo professional or someone with introverted leadings, you're ready to get support to reach your business goals as part of a community of like-minded and like-personality professionals, then head over to winnieanderson.com slash join the group and join my Facebook group for introverted, mission-driven entrepreneurs. I share tips and strategies to help you choose faith over fear and take consistent action to achieve your goals. Thanks for listening. And remember, you deserve all the success you dream of.